Bees Radio Network. Live coverage of Bees Home Games. The podcast. The podcast. The podcast. Well, the hello podcast. again, hockey fans, and welcome along to the Bees Radio Network podcast number three, and probably the most exciting of the podcast yet. As once again joining me is Mark Denner. Mark, how are we? Hi, Graham. I'm very well. How are you? Well, I think you were kind of already started with a lie there. I understand you're a little bit under the weather this week. There's a few little bits of bugs flying around you, but you know what? I've got the perfect cure for you go on this sunday at the hive hockey is back how does that make you feel do you know what i'll be honest if it had been yes if it had been like last weekend i wouldn't have been there i was that unwell i wouldn't have been there so (laughs) i'm glad if i was going to be unwell i'm glad that it has happened last weekend rather than this weekend it was bizarre because we did start last weekend, last season. There was a uh, Facebook memories coming up and all sorts of things like that. And I was like, did we really start a week earlier last year? But good news, it's back this Sunday when we welcome the Swindon Wildcats to the Hive. 5.30 face-off fans. Don't forget about that because uh, the brand new face-off times we got at the John Nike Leisure Sport Complex. And obviously the night before we travel up to Swindon will be great to see you, as it is to everybody who has signed in on the Patreon account. Thank you very much indeed for your support as ever. We will be streaming live fingers crossed, this Sunday from the Hive as we will be bringing you live match commentary from the game. And of course, you can support us via the Patreon account. You can subscribe for as minimum of $1 a month. That just will help tide us over and it's a very big thank you and we're very appreciative for it. But for those of you who have donated $6 or more, you of course have received this fantastic, I think in our own words, weekly podcast. And uh, this week we're going to we're going to spin it around the south. We're going to go around the south, I think it's fair to say, as we take a closer look at the sides we'll be facing off against this season. But before then, there's a few other little bit of tidbits of news. Doug Shepard always likes to do this, just bringing in some news late door. First of all, there's a couple of new signings, actually. Let's start with the man who's coming in permanently, and that is Richard Crow. And it's very exciting that the 19-year-old is joining us from the Guildford Flames. Uh, lots of really positive comments coming out from Guildford about him. Uh, his pedigree is there for all to see as well with time over in Switzerland and then the past couple of seasons up with the Flames in the Elite League gaining some great, great grounding. It's probably fair it's the right time in his career to come down, get some ice time at the NIHL level and I think it's fair to say Doug Shepard's a very happy man about it, isn't he Doug? What you can see is that here is someone who knows what he wants to do with his career. He's had an outstanding junior career in Guildford. Now, I did remember mentioning this when we took our look last week around the leagues. In the question, how does a young player get from NIHL 1 up to the Elite League? And Richard has sorted that out because he's gone away and he spent a couple of seasons in Switzerland before coming back and spending a couple of seasons with the Guildford Flames. Now, he's not getting the ice time that he would like in Guildford. And that's fair enough because he's 19. He's still a young player. He's still developing. So what he's clearly thought is, I'm going to look around and maybe if I can get a couple of seasons under my belt at NIHL 1 where I'll be able to push for top line minutes, then that's going to help me progress my career. So whilst it's a great signing for the Bees as well, I think it's also a great signing for Richard because Doug is a great coach to work for. We've seen the uh, the the... the change, shall we say, in Stuart Mogg. Uh, At the Bison, Stuart Mogg was progressing along nicely. Doug's moved him back to D and he's gone on to become one of the best D-men in the league. So for Richard, this is a great opportunity to come to the Hive and play his hockey with Doug, 
where Doug's going to be able to help him gain what he needs to then go on and perhaps knock back on the door of the Elite League in a year or two's time. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, for example, you can use even a, a more recent example, a kid like uh, Zach Milton. Uh, Zach came into the side last season. He wasn't getting much ice time at the Hornets. Doug saw something in him. And to be fair to Zach as well, and it's something Rich is going to have to do, is put the right attitude in on the ice, put the right attitude in in training. Doing so, by the end of the season, you cannot say without a doubt, Zach Milton was getting power play minutes. He's a very natural finisher. And that's rolled on into this preseason because he's been icing for the Coventry Blaze, gaining more experience, going to be learning from those experiences. And that's all part of what Doug Shepard does as a coach. He does help drive these kids, give them the development they need, which not many coaches do. They look for a very short-term personal gain. What can I get out of this player for me? They're not looking at what is best for this player. Richard right now, he has made this decision. He's going to come in with Doug. And I do think two years time, he's going to be knocking back on that door and actually saying, hey, you know what? I'm a better player than the kid I was two years ago here. I'm now fully deserving of regular ice time, regular minutes, regular opportunities in this team. And that's why it excites me, because you look at someone and you go, you've got a golden opportunity here, kid. Take it, and the rewards are there for you. Let's not forget, it's only Elite League pre-season, but Zach Milton is a young kid who's only played, really, one year at NIHL 1, semi-professional level. And yet, yesterday, uh, or rather on Sunday, he came up with the opening goal for the Coventry Blaze at the Guildford Flames and took part in a 5-3 win. So that's the kind of help that Richard is going to get from Doug. If you think, you know, like, Start of last season, as you mentioned, Zach wasn't getting the ice time he wanted with the Hornets. And then at the start of this season, he's scoring in a packed spectrum for the Coventry Blaze and sending them on towards a win over the Guildford Flames. That's, you know, that's a great success story for Zach. And I'm sure we're going to see an even better Zach Milton this year than last year. But for Richard, he has that opportunity now as well to um, to come in, to work hard, to adapt to the the team ethic that Doug likes to have. And in return for that, Doug will give him those opportunities. You know, if there's an opportunity for a two-way and he thinks Richard, you know, or even a guest appearance for an Elite League team and he thinks Richard is up for it, as we saw last year with uh, these players guesting for Elite League teams, if he thinks Richard is up for it, Richard will get that. And that, along with his regular ice time in the NHL 1, is going to make him a better, stronger and more game-aware player. Because you can't forget, you could be the most skilled player in the league. But if you have no game sense, you're not going to be really of much use. And that's what Richard is going to gain from this is his game awareness, his game sense and that, you know, step ahead thought process that you need to have if you're going to be a successful player. Exactly. Someone like Josh Martin, you watched him when he played last season for those couple of games for the Milton Keynes Lightning. Uh, Doug McKay was calling Doug up at the end of Josh's first game, asking him, is there any chance he can play tomorrow? He's exactly the kid I sort of need. And Josh came and played for us because we had games that night. But it shows the impression these guys make because they're trained in the right way, they develop in the right way. And it goes the other way as well. We're talking about a, a guy like Richard and, and guys like Zach and guys like Edward Nags who have all stepped up and had their chances. You've also got other guys who are going to be stepping up to play for the Beast because we've also confirmed two two-way signings as well with the Hornets. Uh, Will Stead, who the minute we all walked in the door here in Bretnell, we were straight away told, keep your eye on Will Stead. He's someone who can develop. He's someone who's going to turn into a player. And then you look at Luke Jackson, and there were games last season. He stepped for, up for the Bs. He did not look out of place in that, in that unit. So 
Will Stead, Luke Jackson, two-way deals with the Bees. You'll be seeing them at times icing for the same. They'll be training with the Bees a lot of the time as well. Great for their development. I think it really does show and it, the pathway of development that, I mean, we rattled on about it in the last podcast. It is there to see all the way up. We're taking players from the Hornets and the NIHO on the under-18 structure, and we can be pushing them forward up to the Elite League. I think it's it's great for these young guys, and it's also great for the Bees. Now, let's not forget, Doug has said uh, in his media release that they will be training with the Bees which is great for them because they're going to get to train alongside. Now, we mentioned this in our podcast last week, you know, some of the great players that youngsters would have got to train alongside in the BNL. For these guys, they're going to get to train every week now with the the Bees team. They're going to get to pick up on the work ethic of the Bees team. They're going to get to pick up on some of the the tactics. They're going to get some, uh, you know, they'll get guidance from Doug as well. And they will play for the Bees who are available. Now, I believe that they will both be featuring in pre-season a lot as well. So we'll get to see them on Sunday um, at the Hive for their uh, their home debut. Well, it's not their home debut, is it? Because uh, there were some <laughs> guest appearances last year. But we'll get to see them, though, this weekend at the Hive and next weekend, certainly in pre-season, and then when available. So, I mean, I think it's a two-way is a great thing, I think, because... It gives them the chance to get the ice time that they will be expecting still with the Hornets and to still be a part of the Hornets. But when they're available, they'll get to just step up and test themselves at that higher level. But then weekly, they'll be training as well at that higher level. And I don't mean this in any disrespectful way, but there is generally a step up, isn't there, in speed and quality from league to league to league. So even just by training with them, you'll be training at that slightly higher intensity, that slightly higher pace. And that's going to be a benefit to the Hornets because they'll still be getting to see them every week and play them every week. And it's going to be a great benefit to us when we get to see them. And these players will no doubt go on to become better players from their time a, working with Doug and B, playing on the B's roster. Yeah, exactly. It's funny, I'm a massive fan of baseball and you, they talk about this. One of the biggest developments that players have to go through as they move up through the minor leagues, through double A AA to triple A, finally up to the majors, is adjusting to the speed of the game. As you move up through the levels, it, the game comes at you quicker and you need to be able to react to that. And it's not, it's quite regularly you'll see a player, a rookie, step out of triple A and have to move back down, up sorry, from triple A up to the majors and then back out the majors because they don't adjust to the speed of the play. This is the golden opportunity for them to do so. It might just be an extra step, but that extra step, if you don't have it and you're not anticipating that extra step, could prove all the difficulties for them. So, as you say, the training opportunity is there for them. Uh, just on another bit of news, Greg Blaze is also joining the Bees for the season ahead, a third netminder for the team this year. Greg's got a lot of experience within the UK. Uh, he's been a fantastic coach, from what I can hear, within the Guildford Junior system as well. So that's going to help out the likes of Adam Goss, and that's going to help out the likes of Danny Milton as well as they continue their development, and probably any other netminder who might step up from the Bees Junior system. It really is going to be all about just developing, and I, I do think this is... It's a fantastic opportunity. It's on the. It's on all of these kids now to take these opportunities from Richard coming in, from Will, Luke, all stepping up, to, and those who are currently already here. You saw the likes of, as we've already mentioned, Zach Milson, Eddie Nags, Aidan Dowdy, Louis Colvin, all those guys stepping up and really continuing to develop as players. Have we not seen, like last weekend, everybody was talking about one of the greatest test matches ever. England go on to keep the Ashes alive and draw the series. 
thanks to a fantastic performance by Ben Stokes. But we've seen, though, in the transition, as you're saying with baseball, the transition from county cricket to test match cricket is that extra yard of pace for the bowlers and the extra bit of skill, the extra bit of movement. And we've seen Ben Stokes put in an heroic performance and carried England over the line, kept the ashes alive. But what we're seeing is that county cricket right now is not producing players that are ready to make the step up for England. Certainly not at the top of the order. That's been a problem for a number of years. So, I mean, if you parallel it, you know, there is there is a gap between the leagues. And for these guys to be on two ways, initially, let's just say, even if they maybe make two, three, four, five appearances for the Bees this season, they're going to get the benefit of the training because you're going to have to train at the intensity of the team you're training with. So even if they don't make, you know, like uh, even if they don't make 10 or 15 appearances, they'll still benefit from the training every week in that they will be training at that intensity in that environment and alongside those players. And that will make them better players in the league that they are actually signed to as well. So, I, th- I mean, I think this is a great move by Doug. It's going to massively help out the Hornets. It'll massively help out the two players as well. And as you say, bringing Greg Blaze in, Greg has a fantastic record behind him. And he can be of great help to Adam Goss, our new starting netminder, who's only a young netminder himself. Greg can be of great help to him because he has a a ton of experience that he can pass on. Um, Now, you know, I mean, Adam was uh, with the Milton Keynes Lightning last year in the Elite League. So I'm sure he doesn't need, you know, like spoon feeding everything. But just if Adam's got maybe, you know, Greg's an approachable guy. If Adam's just got maybe a question like, hey, Greg, can you tell me? Then Greg's going to be there and he's going to be like, you know, a... um, Without being disrespectful to Greg, he's going to be almost like a father figure, isn't he, to our two younger netminders, because he's been there and he's done it and he has a great career behind him. And if they're thinking, oh, do you know what? Why did I let that in? Or was I positioned right? They can go to Greg and they can say, hey, look, Greg, like, you know, did I position right for that shot? Did I do this right? Did I do that right? And Greg will be a great help to them in their development as well. So, you know, we've added the experience of Greg Blaze, who can be of help to our two netminders that we already had signed. And we've also given the two that we brought up from the Hornets the great experience and the opportunity to do it the other way round and to gain from Doug and the entire B squad as well. So I think, you know, these three announced on Monday are a great addition to the squad. Yeah, I'm excited to see how this all comes together. And I think we, we, let's let's go into this little chat around the roster very quickly now. And like we haven't really dove, dove into this. And I'll always pray say this to play it to, to everything. Don't read everything you see in preseason with teams because I've seen great players in preseason bomb out of clubs two weeks later because they're not ready. Um, it does happen. Preseason is just played at a slightly different pace. Guys are fight. Some guys are finding their legs again. Some fine guys are finding position. Some guys might be trialing different things. It's not a regular that you're going to see teams playing systems as such because it's more important to get their body underneath. So don't read too much into the next two weeks, but it can give you some hints and guidance. But before we get into those games. What are your overall thoughts on this roster that Doug has put together for the Bees this year? And obviously, um, didn't win a league title last year, didn't win a cup, didn't win the playoffs. So the team's got to improve. Do you feel that the roster has improved from last season as well? I just want to say uh, on what you just said, 
didn't win the league title, didn't win the cup, didn't win the playoffs. It has to be said, though, that it is the B's most successful season in a decade. So you can't take away from Doug what he's achieved in his first season at the B's. You know, he's come in and he has given the B's their most successful season in a decade. And yes, it has ended up without a trophy. But what he's done is he's, he's instilled in players. And, you know, some of these are players that have been, you know, with the B's a long time. He's instilled in players a belief that if you play, to your best, we can win. We can go on and we can win. Now, you know, we, we, I thought we played some great games last year, played some absolutely fantastic games last year. And equally, there were some games that we could have done better in. But, you know, that's ice hockey. It's going to happen for everybody. That's ice hockey. What Doug has done this year is he has, shall we say, leaned up the roster a little bit um, you know, like you can't take away that Vanya Antonoff is going to be a great loss because he'll only be with us on a two-way agreement with Streatham. So he'll play for us when available. And that's going to be a great loss and very, very hard to replace. But we have a young elite league goalie who's going to be keen to make a name for himself as well. And he probably does have ambition to go back and play in the elite league. So we've got a young, keen elite league goalie We've got the experience of Greg Blaze. Should we need it? That's there. We've got Danny Milton, who proved himself to be one of the best backups in the league. Um, I think within the roster, we've got players that were great last year that we have the potential to see even better of this year. Stuart Mogg has been promoted to captain. He's not a flash player. You know, you're never going to look at anything he does and say, oh, wow, that was awesome. But what he does is he does a job to a high standard, and he does it night in, night out. You don't often see a mistake from Stuart Mogg. He does the job that he's there to do, and as well as being a great defensive player, because of all his junior career spent as a forward, he can pinch in with a great goal every now and then as well. You've got Josh Martin. Illness ruined Josh's season last year. We didn't see the best of him. He's a great player, and we didn't get to see that last year just because of illness. But he's had a great summer. His illness worries are behind him. And he'll be looking to be back to the Josh Martin that he was pre-illness. So we have that to look forward to as well. You've got Zach Milton, who played pre-season with Coventry Blaze. He's already, you know, got miles in the legs this season. He's going to be looking to just kick on from last year. A guy who last year wasn't getting minutes with the Hornets. Doug saw him and thought, yeah, do you know what? There's something there. I'm taking a chance on this kid. And he repaid Doug by rewarding him, you know, with some great play. He's already got miles in the legs and he is going to be hitting the ice running this weekend as well. And then you've got Roman Malinik. Roman Malinik is, I think, one of the best imports in the league. The Sheriff. I love the Sheriff. He has a relentless work ethic. You know, he's one of the speediest guys in the league. He takes great pride in his fitness. The last shift he'll put in in a game will be with the exact same 110% intensity that the first shift was. So, you know, this year is going to be a more settled year for Roman personally. And I reckon we're going to see the Roman Malinik that we saw when he was signed in Basingstoke by Doug as well. And also, I'd like to welcome uh, Robin Kovar as well, who's uh, joining us this year as well. Tyler Van Cleef has left the Bees. Robin was a great performer with the uh, the Manchester Phoenix in his uh, time. Played up north last year in Blackburn. And, you know, we can see from his history 
that he is a consistent performer. He will return consistent performances night after night after night. So, you know, we're going to see, I think, you know, a much stronger team this year than last year because of, you know, the the potential within players like Josh Martin, Roman Malinik to step up because they had tough years last year. Zach Milton, who had a great first year, he's going to want to kick on. We've got a hungry, young, elite league netminder that's keen to make a name for himself here at NIHL 1. And also, you know, you've got young Louis Colvin coming from Invicta, another player who's going to want to put his stamp on this league. You know, like he didn't have an outstanding season last year, but he did enough. He did enough and brought himself to the attention of Doug. He's now on a team that's, um, with all due respect, got a better chance of competing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's, it, it's, it's always hard to tell, isn't it? You know, was he a big star in a small pond? Or is he going to be a small star now in a bigger pond? It's always hard to tell, but he's got that youth and he's got that hunger about him as well. So I think what we're going to see is a younger, leaner, fitter, and most importantly, hungrier side. Because last year we came so, so, so close. You could almost stick your tongue out and taste success. And we came so close to it last year. And I think what that's probably done is that's probably motivated everybody in the dressing room to just work that little bit harder. And rather than just being able to sniff the success, to actually be able to taste it this year. Yeah, it's funny. You've sort of hit on the major point that I wanted to hit on throughout all of this is the best two teams in our leagues in the country last year were the Peterborough Phantoms and the Hull Pirates. No doubt about it, okay? The simple thing that both those teams had massively was the ability to skate, was the ability to be fit, was the ability to go from the first minute to the 60th minute into overtime. That is where I think the biggest key is. If you can skate, if you are fit, if you can go all season long, you're going to have more success. And I think that's exactly what Doug has done with the roster this season. He has, and I don't want to use this word, but I'm going to, he has trimmed the fat out of that squad. He has trimmed away the players who maybe aren't, weren't at their peak fitness, maybe never really gave that 100% that they could have given because of fitness, because of other issues as well. They're gone. And what he's done, he's brought in guys like Ryan Webb, heck of a skater, goes all game long for Streatham. He's brought in Louis Colvin. The kid's flying. Josh Martin's going to be going again this season. Josh Smith also had his injury troubles last year. Aidan Dowdy was an outstanding player last year. His combination with Malinik was a real success. He's going to go flying this year. At the back end, you've got Eddie Nags, you've got Harvey Stead, another year of development. But young, hungry and fit and wanting to go all game long. You add in Robin Kovar, if you've not seen him on Instagram yet, that man is chiseled. He's like a Tony Atlas-like figure. He is incredibly looking and incredibly fit. And I think that is what the difference is going to be in this Bees team this year. I think last year there were games we were sluggish. I think last year there were games where we really just... We could be at the races for 45, 50 minutes, but there would always be a 10-minute spell spread out over the game where we just weren't there. We just weren't skating with the opposition. We just weren't driving home our advantage. That, to me, with all of Doug's recruitment this summer, is where we're heading. And that's what excites me as I look at this and I go, it's a young team. They're going to skate. They're going to be they're going to be competing for 60 minutes, which we didn't get last season. Now, that's what makes all the difference. Ice hockey is a game of 60 minutes plus, if necessary, overtime. But it's the team that plays best over 60 minutes that generally wins. You can perhaps, you know, against some of the lower teams in your league, which there isn't really a great divide this year, 
But against some of the lower teams in your league, you may be able to have a five minutes where you've just turned off, lost concentration, and you might get away with that. But as we saw against Swindon, against Peterborough last year, if you have five, ten minutes off, they've buried you in that five or ten minutes and you can't come back. Now, I mean, I, I would go as far as to say, and I agree with you, Peterborough Phantoms were the best team last year in the South. Uh, and apologies if you are listening from Swindon, where obviously you were the Britain Conference champions. But I do think at Christmas, it's fair to say, Peterborough are on for a grand slam. Yep. And they just had that couple of weeks where Slava was away, where they just managed to blow away the league. And that was, I think, a bit of a, you know, it was a strange thing for me because they were a team that had played so well up to Christmas, playing your 60th or 65th minute if necessary, just the same as your first. And that was greatly successful for them. It was successful for them in the cup. It was successful for them in the, um, in the Southern playoffs, certainly. And it was successful enough to get them to the Coventry playoff final as well. And that's the same with Swindon, who were, I would say, probably the second best team in our conference last year. Yeah. They played with a relentless intensity all the way through. And we didn't get to see the Northern teams last year because we weren't in that cup competition. But when we saw them at Coventry, we saw the speed of Hull was amazing, wasn't it? You know, like you have to sit back and just think, actually, wow. Do you know what? They have got some speed on them. And they played uh, against us. I mean, we, you know, we were 2-0 up on them. A lot of teams may have thought, oh, it's gone. But no, they didn't. They came out, they played the final 40 minutes and they closed us down. That was that. They closed us down. They advanced to the final and they took everything Peterborough threw at them and just beat them. And it was that relentless intensity, you know, of, well, we're not taking a shift off. We're not having a, a slow grind line. No, no, no. We are working, working, working until the job is done. When the final buzzer sounds and our score is more than yours, then we're happy. Then we'll relax. Yep. No, exactly. And I think that's exactly what Doug Shepard took away from this season. Uh, sorry, from last season. I think that's what he's implemented into his recruitment over the summer. And I think that's why we have got the roster that we have got. And I can understand there are people looking at this roster and just going... I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'm not. I'm. I think it's. I think it's missing something. I think. I think there's something not quite there. I get it. It happened a couple of years ago at a club down the M3. Everybody wrote them off, saying they'd finish fifth, sixth. They won the blimming league that year. They were yeah. the best team, but the best team by a mile. Got written off in September. And we have to be honest. Like most years, you look at you look at Swindon's roster, most team, most summers, and you go, well, that's the team that's going to win the league. And it was only last year did they actually do it. And it used to be the same for the Guildford Flames. Most year, you'd look at the Flames roster on a piece of paper and you go, that's the league winners. Do you know what? When I was in Slough, uh, Richard, who did the, uh, the scoring, and I, we always had, before the season started, we always had a, a prediction list. And we would, uh, we would write down our predictions and I would keep them safe until the, uh, the end of the season. And, like, you know, we would both kind of sit there and we'd deliberate on it. And I would always say, well, yes, Swindon are always good on paper, but they never quite translate it. Now, we're seeing now that Swindon are translating it. Let's be honest, you know. I think Swindon did benefit very much from that gift of Peterborough's two weeks off while Slava was away. But, you know, one player, I must say, that neither of us have mentioned yet is the 10-up man, James Galazzi, who's uh, obviously back for his 10th season as well. 
And he has been through thick and thin with the bees. He's been through like some of the the most torrid times in their recent history. You know, like if you look back 20 years, the bees were a great successful team, Super League winners, you know, a great successful team. And I must admit, you know, like in Slough, we were always a league beneath. We were BNL, the bees were Super League. And I was like, ah, you know, why can't that be us? Um, but, you know, James has been there through thick and thin. Last year, he's uh, signed up for a new coach. You know, um, he was playing with Gareth Cox. Gareth was then replaced with uh, Lucas Smittle. These were guys that were Bracknell through and through. Doug has come in as an outsider last year. And James has come in and he's listened to what Doug's got to say. He's bought into what Doug's got to say. And we saw him put in a great season last year and he's deservedly back for his 10th season this year. So I wish him all the best and I hope it's a very successful season for him. Yeah, indeed. So we've basically gone through the roster. There's obviously other players like the Baird brothers who will continue their development on the uh, on the defensive end. Joey is going to bring a lot of experience. When you to say that they're going to continue end. their development, why you knew what I meant? Joe, Brendan's going to continue his development. Joey's going to continue his development in passing on his mentoring to the yes. younger players. That's what I meant. You, you okay? Don't twist my words here. Picky, I mean, picky. I, I, I do think I do think Joey might be evergreen and could go forever. But I, I think Kelly might have a word with me if I suggested that. Um, but if you look at this roster, you look at it, what's your expectation for this team going into the season? That is the sharpest breath I've ever heard yes. someone said. Like, I'll lay my one out very simply. The aim every season, when you start the season, is to win the title. You should yep. never expect anything less. If you don't come into a season aiming to win the title, then what are you doing? Do I think That's fair enough. That is the expectation. Do I think we're going to win the title? I think we can. I can work out permutations that mean we can. To me, this could be another year of core development for this team. Doug is building that core with the likes of Colvin, Webb, Crow, Milton, Stead, Nags, all those guys. Goss, you throw them all into that hat of a core that's developing. Is it one year too early, possibly, for that title? Probably. But if it gels, and how quickly that team gels... I've got no doubt they could give anybody a run f for their money in this league. I would say I would expect the Bees to pick up at least one trophy this year. And when you're talking about gel, you know, we mentioned the success of the Peterborough Phantoms last year. Look at that core nucleus that Slava Kulikov inherited when he went to Peterborough. And he's managed to keep that going year on year on year. And he's just tweaked here, tweaked there. And that is now bringing him the success that he's enjoying because he's managed to develop that core. You know, Doug has come in last year, year one, and so close to success, but not quite close enough. This year, I think the Bees have what it takes to certainly be uh, pushing. There's a chance they can be pushing for this league title. And I think it's that excitement that is building around the building. Year one was a real foundation, a real building block. We're moving into year two. There's still building blocks being put in place. There's The foundation is there. It's now about building everything up around it. And nothing uh, highlights that more to me than the other bit of news that came out from the club this week with the announcement of a new title sponsor. And uh, for me, it's a personal great one to see it, that TSI World will will be now uh, the title sponsor of the Bracknell Bees will be the TSI World Bracknell Bees it's very exciting for us because to me this is this has been great Graham uh, came on board last season as Bees TV sponsor I had many chats with Graham uh, and very quickly what shone through was his passion for the club uh, his passion to, to to get involved his passion to be 
to see the bees be the best it could possibly be. Yeah. And and I think that's built into the point now where he's like, you know what? I love the direction you guys are going. I love what the, you guys are doing in the community. I love what this team, which has meant so much to me and so much to my family, is now continuing to do. I want to continue my support. I want to help achieve that goal of sustain, sustainable hockey. It's almost like I've got a stutter, but I haven't. Sustainable hockey here in Bracknell. And I think that's what we're beginning to see. So all that excitement you're seeing on the ice, all the excitement you're seeing off, off the ice, culminating with the announcement that we are now the TSI World Bracknell Bees. I think at this juncture, we should also thank Berkshire Cycles for their long-term continued support of the Bees. But it is great to see TSI World come on board and now, you know, the TSI World Bracknell Bees. Um, And this is not just an overnight deal. This is a three-year partnership as well. So this secures a lot of stability for the club. You can see that Graham believes in what we as the TSI World Bracknell Bees are trying to achieve. And he wants to be a part of this. He wants to help facilitate it and make it happen. I mean, Bees TV last year, was with TSI World. And it was great. Over 125,000 views in its first season. Brilliant. But, you know, for him to then step up and say, hey, do you know what? I'm really going to put my money where my mouth is now. We are going to become title sponsors on a three-year deal. That is a brilliant achievement by Doug and Stuart and the rest of the directors to achieve that. And also, it's a brilliant commitment by Graham and the TSI World team. So welcome on board to, uh, to you, and uh, we look forward to being the TSI World Bracknell Bees for the next three years, at least. Yeah, exactly. And it really does excite me. I mean, this is the thing. I can't win a game of hockey on the ice. I, I'm out of shape. I've never picked up a hockey stick. I can barely put one foot in front of the other on the ice. So how do we win in our world? We win off the ice. And, and announcements like becoming the TSI World Bracknell Bees really are a big tick in the box of, of achieving the best success that we can. Uh, and so it really is great to welcome Graham on board. Um, well, we're welcoming on board as a title sponsor, but uh, he's obviously been a big part of this moving forward. So I think... I think that kind of wraps up the sort of bees roundup. I think that's Do you the know best what? word. Just, just to add, it Go shows on. what it means to Graham as well. As you said, you know, he and his family love the Bracknell bees and they have decided, you know what? We're going to do our bit now and try and help out. They can see the vision that Doug and the other directors have for the club and they're going to step up. They're going to do their bit now to try and help facilitate that. So um, that's great. And, you know, to have a local a local business invest in their local team is uh, a great achievement. So um, I'm very much looking forward to seeing this partnership develop. You're nearly slipping into League of Gentlemen territory there, it had to be yeah. said. <laughs> but uh, anyway, that's that's one for the kids, that one is there. Uh, anyway, let's go looking around the south. Uh, we're going to dive in on the north on a later podcast. It's just uh, we've got a little bit more research to do. We've got games against the southern teams coming up. We actually welcome uh, three of our four southern rivals in the opening. Well, actually, we welcome all four of them, actually, over the first four weekends of the season, nearly. So that's very exciting for all of us. Uh, so I 
I think it is definitely worth us taking this chance to have a look at the have a look around the league, uh, point out bits that we think are worth pointing out, highlight bits to look forward to over the coming season. And we're going to start it with our opponents this Sunday in the pre-season opener at the Hive on Sunday the 8th with a 5.30 face-off as we take on the Swindon Wildcats, the side we beat last season. Don't forget that in the playoff semi-final to book our spot in the final four at Coventry and of course the spot in the NIHL South finale uh, and we'll begin with the Wildcats and I'm going to begin by asking you Mark what are you most looking forward to seeing from the Wildcats this campaign you know what the Wildcats played a consistent season last year and that saw them in a place where they were able to capitalize last year when they had that chance just after Christmas while Slava was away they have managed to keep most of their team together but what they have lost is they've lost Jonas Hoog and Maxim Berbret both retiring. Um, you know, Hoog has been a go-to player for them for many, many years. But they've uh, they've signed Thomas Malasinski, who, uh, you know, a lot of people will remember from uh, seeing him last time he was in the UK. And he's a great import. So, you know, I don't think they're worried about their imports. Obviously, Tyler Van Cleef is going to miss the uh, the start of the season. And we wish him well for his uh, recovery. Um, and hopefully he will be back for the Wildcats soon. It's never nice to see a player missing uh, games through uh, I- injury or illness. So uh, we wish Tyler well and hopefully he will be back on the ice soon. But I think, you know, they've got Rennie Marr in net. We've seen the Marr brothers, uh, Rennie and Jordan, both frustrate the bees last season i think you're going to see a very settled roster carry on what they started last season now while we're not in the britain conference anymore you know the swindon wildcats are a league champion they're going to want to go on and fight to be league champions in this inaugural uh, national league as well so i think we're going to see a very solid consistent performance as well backed by a good netminder good imports and that core of Brits that they've pretty much managed to retain. I think we'll see a very strong push this year from Swindon. Yeah, I agree because I think it all comes down to one man. I mean, and there's another player actually I'm going to mention in a minute, which I'll come on to, which is the bit where the challenges are for the Wildcats. But just very quickly to wrap this section up, Thomas Malazinski, at the end of the day, he's the Poland international captain. He is an outstanding player. Last time he played in the EPL, he had 83 points in 51 games. He formed a lethal partnership with Aaron Nell. Um, I'm not afraid to admit that Doug Shepard may have looked to sign this guy at one point as well because he was that much of a dominant player across the uh, English Premier League at that time and so as a result seeing him come back here yeah he's 33 years of age he's still within the prime of his career he still looks like he'll be an outstanding player in this league I think it's an absolute coup from Aaron Nell to have got him back on board because as you say if you're lo- losing Jonas Hoog who really is and he basically is a Swindon Wildcat I do think if you cut him open he'd bleed black and uh, sorry red and white even uh, they do wear black sometimes away from home as well I'll get away with that one a little bit on the side <laughs> but uh, you, you you want to replace those real key guys like Brabeer like Jonas Hoog so to bring back Malazinski into that lineup frightens me slightly. I will say this though, and this this is the next question I was going to ask you, is where do you see them facing challenges this season? I think their challenge, I don't doubt me that Remy Marinette is an outstanding netminder. It was very consistent for the Wildcats last season and a reason why they were able to go on and win the league. 
They're losing Sam Jones in that defence, though. Sam Jones was an outstanding D-man for that team, and they've had a couple over the years, and they're still there. Stevie Whitfield, I think, is a very underrated D-man. You're looking at a Neversall, who's going to continue his development as well. Tyler Pughes was a great addition last season as well. But Sam Jones just had something a little bit special about him, and it doesn't surprise me that the phone call came from the Elite League, and he's gone up and taken that opportunity. To me, he was the guy that the, the D could work around. We really struggled to solve the Sam Jones issues at times last season. You've got to remember there's another year on Neil Lydiard's legs as well. It, that's, where, that, that's where the challenge is for me, is that defensive core. I, I, it's, it's fine, but I'm a li- I don't think it's as strong as it was last season. Sam Jones is a massive gap. You know, Every now and then you get a player and you think, ah, oh, how am I going to replace him? And that's probably a thought that's been going through Alan, uh, Aaron Nail's head this year is, how am I going to replace Sam Jones? Because he was a thorn in our side in each clash last year. He was a thorn in our side. And, you know, it is a big gap. And as you say, Neil Lydiard now is, well, he's been in the veteran stage of his career for a while. And there is another year in Neil Lydiard. And, you know, we did see when we've both sat here and said, that uh, Rennie Marr has been very, very consistent. Didn't we see him pulled from a game against the Bees last year? Whilst he's been very, very consistent, there is that occasional off night in him. And, you know, with a slightly weaker D in front, he's going to be tested just that little bit more. So they're going to be needing that slight, you know, that very, very occasional off night to be kind of like forgotten. And, you know, they're going to need him to just go, 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 go. Because that slightly, slightly weaker D without Sam Jones in it and with a year older Neil Lydiard, I think does kind of potentially expose Rennie Marr. They were very good at keeping shots away or, you know, dangerous shots away from Rennie Marr last season. They're going to have to work out a way now with a slightly different D makeup to be able to still give Marr the protection that he'll be looking for. Yeah, indeed. And I think that's going to be the biggest conundrum that Aaron L's got to solve because I do think at one end of the ice, it's going to be goals, 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 goals. Uh, they're going to really put put it put teams to the sword. They just have to make sure they do it at the other end. So just to wrap up the Wildcats, it's it's, it's basically a, a one-point answer, but what is the one thing you're looking forward to seeing from them? Or expecting to see from them, sorry. Consistency is the one thing I'm expecting to see from them. We saw it all last year and I think we'll see it again. The only thing I would say, though, is, you know, we saw the speed of Hull last year. And to be fair, we saw Sheffield at Coventry as well. They weren't slow. That Wildcats D, you know, is a year older and doesn't have Sam Jones. Is that going to be an issue for them when they come to face those northern teams that have built their success around speed? Is that going to be an issue? What I'm looking for, what I'm expecting from the Wildcats this year will be consistency. Uh, I've written down a new import by Christmas, uh, and I just say that in the nicest way possible. It's always what Swindon seem to do. Eunice Hoog normally gets a phone call around about November, December time, and is, is getting in as a, a late treat for the Wildcat fans. Uh, obviously, Tyler's injury is is uh, very unfortunate. Uh, it's a it's a surprise injury, uh, and I think there is a, a a doubt over how long he'll be out. Swindon at the moment are saying he'll miss the start of the season, and 
reading into that press release, it's extremely non-committal from them. Uh, at the moment, Jan Kostel's going to step up and act as injury cover. Um, so maybe I'm a bit wrong in saying it's a new import by Christmas, because I do think you might be looking one at around about the end of October, start of November, especially if, they, if they're not quite there, if it's not quite firing. I do fancy them to bring in another impactful forward who can play on the second line alongside someone like Chris Jones, alongside Sam Bullis and they'll start racking up the points in there. It's going to be a question of when that trigger gets pulled. Uh, I do think it will be sooner rather than later. And as, as you quite rightly pointed out earlier on, we do wish Tyler all the best in his recovery. Uh, it's it, it's a shocker of an injury. Uh, you could not write it. Uh, and I just hope for his sake, it's it, it, he's going to be able to fully recover and hopefully get back on the ice, hopefully for the Swindon Wildcats, but if not, somewhere else. Yeah. So then, let's. That's the Wildcats. You get to see them in action this Sunday and see how much uh, nonsense Mark and I just spoke there as they both throw up a, a different conundrum. Five thirty face off on that one because the following uh, two weeks' time actually is the league home opener, and that is when we welcome the Peterborough Phantoms on Saturday the twenty-first with the six fifteen face off. Uh, Peterborough, obviously, that all-conquering side from last season until it all went wrong in the playoff final at Coventry when the whole Pirates stole the national title away from them. Uh, so to you, it's the same three questions. What are you most looking forward to seeing from Slava Kulikov's Peterborough side? Do you know what they are? And, it, you know, I, as, a, as, as a, you know, part of the Bees organisation, I can't deny that, you know, Peterborough do play some good hockey. They will go in, they will take their chances. And then, you know, there are some that say, well, it's boring. What they'll do is they'll go in, they'll take their chances, they'll capitalise on it. And then they can just shut down a game and that's it. And, you know, if the Phantoms get to be two, three goals ahead going into the final period, you've virtually got no chance because they've got uh, Jordan Martin net, another great goaltender. And if they can, you know, give him any sense of protection, you need to go into the third period scoring uh, three or four goals to get back into a game. They have the firepower that's just going to kill you if you try and open up and out and out attack them. So, you know, they're a very, very well gelled team. They've managed to keep together a nucleus that has been fairly successful for them now for a long time. I mean, like I remember, you know, like some of their players, I remember them from years ago. I mean, I left Slough in 2014. That's five years ago. A lot of that Phantoms team were on it then. And yet yeah. they're still going now. <laughs> and I think that has been the, the key for Slava is that he's gone in, he's had a little look, you know, thinking, right, what works? What doesn't work? So he went in mid-season and he's had a little look and thought, right, what does work? What doesn't work? He took Darius Pliskauskas with him. Supercalifragilistic Darius Pliskauskas. I never thought I'd get to say that again. But he, uh, he took him with him. Um, and that wasn't a particularly popular move with some of the uh, long-term Phantoms fans. But other than that, though, he didn't do much with that initial roster. And then he's just kind of tinkered with it year on year. And he's just, you know, added here, added there, trim back here, trim back there. And we've seen over the last few years, you know, like the success that he's had in the EPL and the, um, the success he had certainly last year in NIHL 1. His method works for him. 
Yeah, indeed. I mean, this is the amazing fact about this year's Phantoms team. If you watch them last year, they're all back out on the ice for the Phantoms this year. The only real change is in the third-choice netminder. It really is amazing that that core is all that. Guys like James Ferrara at the end of the day, 31. Remember him as a 17-year-old breaking into this sport. But at the other end, you've still got other guys coming through. You saw a lot of them begin to ice towards the end of the season. Guys like Bradley Bowering, guys like Ross Clark, Jarvis Hunt, who I thought had a very good sort of appearance at Coventry. Taylor Romero. And as you say, it's just those little bit of tinkerings with Slava that he's been able to do. Bringing in someone like Corey McEwen, big thumbs up from me. He was Mm. one of my MVPs of the season last year was Corey. Um, 49 points in 38 games. Uh, In the playoffs, he was just as dominant, even though other guys like Martin Susters stole the headlines for all the goals he was putting up. And and actually, it's quite funny because you look at the two imports that Peterborough have. Petr Stepaniak, He's an undoubted game changer. He's a big physical presence on the ice. Um, maybe didn't see the best of him last season. I do think he's maybe... I'm wondering if that fifth gear is still there. I think a lot of last season he was in... Certainly the times I saw him, I was always a bit like, there's another gear to come from Stepaniak, and it never really shone through. And if he clicks into that fifth gear, he's going to be the most dominant player in the league. But I think he, I don't think he can quite, I think the gearbox a little sticky and he's quite happy in fourth. And fourth works very well, but it would be interesting to see him go up to five. And then um, Alish Padalek with the uh, world's shortest retirement. I'm retiring. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm coming back. Um, going to be interesting how he adapts. I, I think he was in the league last year. It's funny, we, he was just the right player for that league last year. Yeah. I'm wondering with the step up, and I'm, I'm going to say it, the little bit of step up maybe in speed, the little bit of step up maybe in, in other ways as well, I do wonder if he'll be quite as dominant in that lineup. Do you know what I will say, right? Um, he is 39 now at the start of this season, but he is somebody who keeps himself in amazing shape. So I don't see the speed being an issue for him. You know, I think... He will have been working. He works obviously on hockey camps uh, back home in the uh, in the summer, so he'll have been on the ice all summer long anyway. There'll be miles in those legs, and he will have been working hard. You know, he works hard on his you know off ice fitness. He works hard on his on ice fitness. I don't see it being a problem for him, if I'm honest. I think he'll still have it within him to be there and to be that big crucial player. Because you know, we're still talking about a two import league here. Uh, much as you and I both think there should be one more. We're still talking about a two-import league here. So there's a lot of pressure riding on your two imports, you selecting them right and them performing to what you expect. I don't think Alice Padalek is going to let Slava Kulikov down this year. I still think he'll be up to it. I still think he'll be as fast as he needs to be. I still think he's got all the skills. We saw that last year. And I don't expect the speed will have dwindled. So where do you see the challenge then for the Phantoms? Do you know what? I mean, the challenge for the Phantoms, I guess, has to be almost the opposite to what I said for Swindon. You know, I said I expected <laughs> consistency from Swindon. The challenge has to be the consistency, because if you look at Peterborough last year, the league title was theirs going into the Christmas turnaround. It was theirs, you know, and we were thinking, right, the league's over. Peterborough have won it. And they didn't because they took that couple of weeks off while Slava was away. And even going into Coventry's uh, Sunday final, where you and I were doing yeah. the commentary, we both wrote off Hull. They yeah. don't have what it takes to beat <laughs> Peterborough. And um, that's, of course, on record for anyone that watched the stream or has the DVD. 
I'm but sure we, Peterborough. I'm, I'm sure Peterborough fans will be digging out the copies because I think it might be the first time ever on a DVD. There, I've said Peterborough are going to win this, and they didn't win it. I'm sure there will be some comments about that one. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, for them, they have to find the consistency. I think this year, you know, they play a style of hockey, and if you're going to play that style of hockey, and it has been quite successful for them over a number of years now, you know, they were contending in that last EPL year right up to the final weekend for the league title with Basingstoke. It's been successful for them for a number of years now. But if you are going to play that style of hockey, you need to be able to play it consistently. And it cost them the league title last year, I think, that two weeks they took off where Swindon managed to just get the jump on them. And from then, they were always chasing. They were always chasing. And on the Sunday at Coventry, they just weren't quite the slick oiled machine no. that we'd seen in every other encounter, in every other Bees Phantoms encounter all season long, we'd seen like this slick, well-oiled machine. Passes were tape to tape. They were crisp, you know, not even an inch off. Tape to tape. Done. And players were, you know, in position, ready to receive passes. It was brilliant. You can't knock it. But what they need to do is they just need to make sure that they play every single week of the season that way if they're going to want this to be a successful season for them. Yeah, and I think that begins week one for me. The biggest challenge they've got is they're returning the exact same squad. There's not a single addition. There's well, not as a single subtraction. Yeah. That was their and media I, announcement. We've retained the entire squad. Entire squad, yeah. And I do sit there and I go, yeah, don't doubt me. It's a very good team. Is there going to be... A bit of a lackadaisical approach. Oh, we were great last year. We're going to be great this year. And before you know it, four games into the season, you've lost two games. And you're going, well, hang on here. Why are we losing this game? We're, 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 the, we're the phantoms. We're the, we're the all-conquering side from last year. And you could they could easily get into a little bit of a rut that it could... You talk about that it was two weeks last year that cost them the title. It could easily be two, three, four weeks at the start of the season that cost them the title. If they don't come in all guns blazing, if they don't, if they, if they take a lackadaisical approach, it could cost them the title before the title's even really started. Now, I must admit, I saw, uh, I saw Slava and I saw Alice after the final last year and just the look of disappointment in their faces, both of them. And these are guys that I know personally very well. I could just see the look of disappointment in their faces. And I thought now's not the time to say anything. So I won't. But just when you look at Slava and you saw the disappointment, you know, like this was ours, we should have had it. I think certainly that's going to have motivated him to ensure that they don't have a weak start this year. You know, they're going to go out there and they're going to say, do you know what? We did well last season and you can't take that away, but we could have and should have done better. And I think that'll be something that Slava will be saying. We could have and we should have possibly had every title. Yep, I, I think there's no doubt about that. So what, what's the one thing you're expecting to see from them? I expect the Phantoms will play a very similar style of hockey to, uh, to what's been successful for them. I expect that we're going to see another good season from, you know, from their, from their goaltender. I think, even though he's 39, we'll see another great season from Alice Padlek. And as you say, Petr Spaniak. are we going to see fifth gear or is he going to go in fourth gear? Even in fourth gear, he's one of the great imports in the league. But if he can kick up to fifth gear, I think we could see a title contending Peterborough Phantoms here. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to say, what am I expecting to see from Peterborough this year? Title contenders. And I think they're going to make everybody work in this league. I, I, I don't actually, I, as much as I say it's a challenge, I don't think it's a challenge for them. I think they're going to have the right mindset. I think there's enough there that, yeah, they're, uh, they're going to be the ones probably that everybody's chasing for the title, I feel. 
Right then, let's move on to Basingstoke, the bison. Uh, this is the one that a lot of people will be looking forward to uh, hearing from this one here. I mean, obviously challenges in Basingstoke with some of the off-ice situation there, uh, not through any doing of the uh, players on the ice with the arena situation. And I hope, I'll always say this, I hope the rink survives in some sort of way. I hope the doors are kept open. I hope the roof stays up. I hope everything keeps running. We do get a full season out of uh, Basingstoke this season um, because without them, the league is weaker. We lose one of our one of the great local rivalries that has re-kicked off again. I hope that that all survives. But what are you... Let's talk about... That's what I'm sort of kind of looking forward to seeing the most is hopefully them making it through the season. But what are you most looking forward to seeing from the Bison? Do you know what? I'll be honest, Graham. Like you spent longer there than I did, but I spent four very happy years there in Basingstoke, and I wish them all the best. You know, they have a lot of issues to contend with, and credit to them. You know, they have dealt with those issues, they faced them, and they have kept an entertaining and competitive team on the ice last year. Let's be honest, against the odds. You know, there were some that were saying, "Oh, well, that's it." We're done. The Bison are done. No point in buying a ticket. They kept a good team out on the ice last year. They competed. Uh, they played exciting hockey. And I think we'll see the same again this year. You know, they're going out there. They're looking to entertain their loyal fan base. They're looking to go out there to win games and to win things. Yeah, I mean, to me, I'm taking the other end of the spectrum and it's one thing that it's been nice to see, actually. I mean, if we take the latest roster numbers and by the time this podcast is produced, there's a chance they might have added another one out there. But two goalies, seven defensemen, 17 forwards are signed up to play for the Bison this year. Looking forward to seeing how they all quite fit into that dressing room Well, at I've the seen moment. the dressing room. They're going to have to take it in turns, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. It's one in, one out, unfortunately. Imagine on uh, training nights, right? You're, you're first interchange, uh, you're second in. <laughs> <laughs> you're third, you're fourth, you're going to do the first few minutes. I mean, that it, to me, what's going to be interesting and I'm most looking forward to seeing is some of this continued development of the young players. You looked at Adam Jones last season, I thought he really came on as a D-man, along with Jay King. He really is a defensive team that is young, but I think there's a lot of talent within it. Someone like Josh Kelly really made a good impression uh, for England under-18s last season. Ollie Stone's obviously gone in there. Sam Smith looked didn't look out of place as he stepped forward. And then there's other Hugo Ford. And, and like some of these two ways are obviously coming in. Sean Norris was one of the most attracted players in the off-season. Sam Tolbert the same. Mm. And then you've got adding guys like uh, Alex Sanford's only 22 and had an outstanding year last year. And I think he'll continue to step on. Oscar Evans has always been someone who was touted as a real talent to look out for. And I'm hoping he plays a lot of time with this team as well. So it really is. It's that youth development in in. Basingstoke that uh, yeah. a certain former coach was very keen on doing uh, and I think you're continuing to see some of that with some of the Basingstoke and Hampshire-born players but also other youngsters getting their opportunities to come in and, and step forward as well but at the same time there's a big challenge for me with this team and it's one I don't think they've yet managed to answer and that is the loss of Russ Cowley because Russ Cowley will be playing for the Milton Keynes Lightning in our league this season. Russ, every time I spoke to any Basingstoke fan, uh, all they would say is, you're really missing it this season. You're missing the joy of watching Russ Cowley in action. He's a step ahead. He's a smarter player than every player on the ice. He's the leader. He's the one who's driving us forward. Uh, 49 points in 38 games sort of underlines that fact. There are other players who may have put up more points, but I'd argue that uh, Russ was the man who was putting them up at the right time and really leading them forward as a captain. I don't think they've replaced him. 
I, no. I, I, I keep looking at this roster. Maybe George Norcliffe's going to step up. Maybe Liam Norris is going to step up. But I just don't see them stepping up in the Russ Cowley mode. I don't know that you will replace Russ Cowley, you know, because he's a player with a great record behind him. And I think, you know, they were lucky to get him last year. And for him to now be moving on to Milton Keynes, that will hurt them. But what they do have, and you touched on it, is they have a lot of youth. They have a lot of youthful belief. Now, I covered uh, the announcing in a game in Basingstoke last year, and it was against the, uh, the Raiders, who we'll be mentioning in a moment. And after 40 minutes, I was walking around the, the arena to go and get a drink. After 40 minutes, everyone was like, oh, we might as well go home. Down, I think it was, it may have been 5-0 or 5-1. They were down to the Raiders. And everyone's like, we may as well go home. And in that third period, they came together and they leveled the game and won it. I think it was just seconds into overtime. And that's the sort of hockey they play. We can do it. Doesn't matter if we're down. We can do it. We can come back. Now, yeah, they've lost the experience and the leadership of uh, Russ Cowley, but they do have two great imports in uh, Michael Kleiner and Richard Bordowski as well, who proved their worth last year as well, because that was kind of, that was almost a gamble for yeah. Ashley Tate to come in. You know, he came in and he didn't really inherit much when he came in. <laughs> no. But he has, you know, gone on to build a team, which to be fair, a lot of people before a puck was dropped last year said, oh, sixth, seventh at best. He's finished third. So he's yeah. not done too bad. You know, he has recruited well in those two imports, Kleiner and Bordowski, neither of which let him down last year. And let's not forget, they also did manage to pick up from Swindon, Adam Harding, who was um, released just before the signing deadline. That was a great addition for them as well. And I think that helped them on towards that third place finish that they did achieve. So, yes, they have lost Russ Cowley. And I don't think you're ever, you know, I don't think anyone's going to replace Russ Cowley in terms of leadership, in terms of point production, in terms of, you know, just game awareness, situation awareness. You're not going to replace that. But they have this youth that has a belief in we can do it. And they also have, you know, now the experience of Adam Harding as well, who's coming at the end of last season. They'll be looking for him perhaps to step up, you know, and fill some of that Cowley void. Yeah, it's funny because you mentioned the the two players that I'm actually going to mention in my one thing you expect to see in the second. The one thing I expect to see from the Basingstoke Bison this season is second season syndrome for Bordowski and Kleiner. Um, Bordowski was injured for a lot of last campaign, had some real injury woes. Uh, When he came back from his injury, he wasn't quite the player he was before. And I think actually I can be open and honest and say I don't think he really ever showed what he showed uh, against Bracknell as he did against other teams. Kleiner, I think he's going to really fall into the second season syndrome trap. I think he is going to not put up as many points. I think he has got a little bit of a cross on his back with certain officials in the league. They certainly keep a real eye out for him. They both can rack up good 10-minute misconducts at any point as well. That, for me, is the one thing I'm expecting to see from them. I just think you're going to see a real tail-off from what their imports are able to deliver. Uh, and I think that's that's going to be a real challenge that they're going to have to overcome. Do you know what? We mentioned last week in the podcast last week, didn't we? We mentioned about, you know, the eight imports of the BNL. And you and I will both remember great duels between 200 pound plus like Canadians. Drop the gloves, go, go, go. 
And, you know, an import took an import out and they served their penalties. In where we are, a two-import league, for an import to be picking up a 10-minute is a, it's a potential game killer because, you know, there's only two. You can only play one during that 10 minutes as well, you know. So it does change the entire dynamic of the game. So for them, yeah, they are certainly going to have to watch their discipline. Um, but I don't know. You know, I mean, potentially with Bordowski, yeah, he did have an injury worry season last year, an injury affected season this year. Maybe he's going to come back just that little bit hungrier to say, look, you know, I am the player that I was in September, October, November, before I started getting injured. I am that player and I'll prove it. I hope he does just for his sake, because you could easily see it being, if it goes the other way, it could be a real challenging season this year in Basingstoke. And for multiple reasons, that's not what that club needs right now. What's the what's the one thing you're expecting to see from them? Do you know what? Like with their youthful belief, I'm I'm expecting to see them honestly contending this year. <laughs> I no, I really am. <laughs> I think I think you know they they finished third last year. Where let's be honest, most people would have put them sixth, seventh, maybe fifth at best. I genuinely expect that Ashley Tay is going to have said, "Look, you know what? Yeah, we have lost Russ Cowley." But I'm putting my faith in you like he did last year. I mean, Ashley Tate put together a team that he virtually didn't know. Yeah. And he gelled that team. You can't underestimate that. He gelled that team and they finished third. I think they will be looking for trophies this year. Um, You know? I think they'll be looking for trophies, but I don't think they're going to be anywhere near them. And I'm going to say that right now. I, I think of of all the teams in the league, uh, they are they are one of the ones that have tailed off this offseason. Uh, and I think... Signing as many two-ways could cause some issues. If all of a sudden the two-way players are getting ice time over the regular players, that could cause some real problems. Yes, it might make them a better team in the game when the two-way guys are stepping up. But in the other games, if all of a sudden those guys aren't there and the guys are disillusioned and take it as a disillusion rather than, oh, I'm going to prove Ashley wrong, there could be some real locker room challenges there next season. I, I do think... To me, that that is going to be a real problem for them. Uh, just that seventeen forwards into twelve don't really go. You know what? You've ruined my answer to your next question. Well, go on then. <laughs> well, no, you were going to ask me. I'm imagining what would be their biggest challenge, wouldn't you? Yeah, what would be their biggest challenge? And I was going to say getting harmony in that roster because you know there is an immense number of forwards. We joked earlier about fitting them all in the dressing room. Forget that. Somehow, you have to get them all onto the team list. You know, you cannot play <laughs> 17 forwards. Somehow, you have to get them all onto the team list. And I think, you know, you've just said it there. It is fitting them all in and keeping everybody happy with the opportunities that they're getting. Because the two ways are going to want to play when they can. Yep. You know, they're going to be there and they're going to be training. But they're going to want to be able to play when they can. And it's just like, you know, knowing when you can fit them in and for who you can fit them in when you already have a full squad uh, on Monday. We've brought in these two ways. But we have room that they can fit in without worrying about disrupting our own roster. But Basingstoke have a full roster already and, well, more than a handful of two ways. (laughs) And they have to fit them all in. And I think, you know, that is probably going to be their biggest challenge is keeping team unity and team 
you know, harmony in fitting everybody in and getting everybody ice time. It reminds me of um, uh, Franchise Hockey Manager 2007 for any of those who were lucky enough to play such a great game. Uh, was Basically, the idea was you just signed every two-way you could from the EPIHL to play up in your Elite League team. And you would end up, one game you'd have a full roster and it'd look amazing and guys would be putting up points left, right and centre. And then in the next game, you'd just have your 10 players that you're able to sign with your budget by about the third year. So you'd be in all sorts of trouble. It's not quite that bad because obviously they do have a full roster behind them. But as you say... Getting that harmony together in that dressing room, I do think is going to be a challenge, uh, as well as getting every player into that dressing room is also going to be a challenge. Let's let's wrap this up then. We, we, we're on to the final team. It's the fifth team in the league. It's, it is the Raiders. Um, there's a lot to, of positives to say about the Raiders. Back in their own barn, they've stuck with it. They're staying with the battle up in this league. They have elements that are going to allow them to challenge, I feel. They have an outstanding coach in Sean Easton who will be stepping up to the under-18 GB role this year, and we do wish him all the best with that role. I do think he's one of the better youth development coaches that are available in this country right now. Uh, but what are you most looking forward to seeing from the Raiders? Do you know what? I sat with uh, John Scott, the Raiders owner, before the um, before the playoff game last year. And I had a chat with him about his hopes uh, for next season. And he said, oh, no, no, we will definitely, definitely be looking to go up. John wants to make that Raiders team successful. You know, here's a guy that's been around the tough times for the Raiders. And, you know, I, I'd i love to see the Raiders be successful because I think John Scott is a very, you know, he's a nice man. He drives the team bus. He takes the team photos. He does everything in order that the Raiders can actually continue. So, you know, I wish them the best of luck. Um, they are a very, very young squad, an average age of just 23 for the Raiders this year. Um, they've seen a number of players who are thinking, oh, no, hold on, we don't fancy these long journeys up north. They've seen a number of them head to Chelmsford. Uh, their imports, Sadevi and Husker, have stayed uh, behind as well. Um, you know, so for them, I think this is this is almost like we were last year. It's almost a year one for them because while they have a, a, a solid nucleus around them, it's just quite hard to see, you know, how they're going to fill those gaps that have come about with players moving onto other NIHL one Britain sides. Yeah. And as you say, they've kept together some good and great players in this league. And we'll come on to those guys. They do have some very, very, very exciting talent. Jake Sylvester, Brandon Ayliffe, love both those kids. I cannot wait to see what they can do in this league. I, I really hope, and I'm glad they've stuck with it as well. They could have easily have taken the option of potentially staying in their league, staying at, go moving to Invicta or, or moving to other clubs, moving to Chelmsford or whatever. They've stuck at it. They're sticking with the Raiders, and I think they're going to get their rewards. I think they're two very exciting players to watch. Certainly, they caught my eye throughout all of last season. They made it onto my dream list of players if you're looking to sign both in the 21 years of age great two kids and I would really love to have seen them both potentially playing here in Bracknell but I'm even more happier that they are going to be staying in this NIHL national team and learning from someone like Aaron Connolly who who really has an eye on these guys and will bring them forward and will help them develop um, you can see the real the real highlights in in their youth development but I agree with you. I just, I look around the two imports of Malinsky and Sadlowski. Uh, 
I, I just don't see they could they could be stars. They could be absolutely yeah. outstanding players, young, excellent imports. I, I, but are they going to be the two kids who are going to put the game on their back and go, you know what? We're going to take this one forward. We're going to win you this game. They've got guys like Aaron Connolly and Dan Scott who will try and do that. There's no doubt in my mind. They will both try and win these games and put the game on their back and drag everybody forward. You've got a guy like Bla, uh, Blahoslav Novak, who's, again, an outstanding player when he stays on the ice. The, the, he's, he's an impact player. He can really make a difference. But they've got too many pieces to me. They just what worries don't... me a little is when we look at Bracknell, when we look at Swindon, when we look at Peterborough, when we look at Basingstoke, you have what I would call an interchangeability of personnel. So you don't have to have line one that is A, B, C, line two is D, E, F. You could swap, you know, between those lines. And I think you could say that about the, the four teams that we have already discussed, our own and the other three. When you look at the Raiders roster, I think you can see certainly a top line of forwards, and I think you can see a top line of defensemen. But it's what comes after. And that's what some of these other teams, I think, are going to pick apart. Um, you know, I mean, let's not forget, um, Lashenko has uh, played in Bracknell before and didn't have a great return in his year in Bracknell. And it's just what comes after. because. That that's my worry for the Raiders. You know, like when you ask me what my biggest challenge is, I'm going to ruin it by saying it now. But I'm just looking down the roster and I'm thinking, yeah, do you know what? That's a decent line of defensemen. That's a decent line of forwards. But then when you put the next line out, you're going to see, I think, the uh, the other teams go hard at those lines. And then for Sean Easton, that produces a difficult challenge for him as well. Because, you know, do you think, right, okay, well, let's double shift Aaron Connolly's line. Let's double shift Dan Scott's line. Because if you're double shifting their lines from early on in the game, how are they going to be come the 60 minutes? Like we said earlier, if you're going to be successful, you need to be playing your first minute like your 60th minute. If you are looking at double shifting lines, how successful are they going to be come the 60th minute? Yeah, I completely agree with you. I do. I do just think there is, and you look at the background of these imports. They're coming from like the Federal Hockey League, the SPHL, the pay for play leagues in America. It just, they're not the guys they need. You say you can easily see, and I, this is bizarre. It's probably the first one we've written down. The challenge is exactly the same for us. Uh, I do think there's worries at the back end as well. I think you've seen other teams improve or keep their strong net minding. I don't think the Raiders have upgraded on their net minding at all there's just too many questions here. Don't doubt me. Guys like Dan Scott, guys like Aaron Connolly, they're winners. They're going to fight tooth and nail. They're going to battle for every puck. I, I just don't see where the overall quality, once you've got those two guys and maybe a couple of others off the ice, I just don't see where that overall quality is going to come from. And I do think as good as Sean can be, I just, I, I, I don't see it. The one thing I expect from them this year Struggles with the odd-spirited and fantastic display. That's it. The other thing we've not discussed here as well, uh, and you wouldn't wish this on anyone, but it's an inevitability, is injury worries. Because if someone like Aaron or Dan was to get injured, who's going to step up? You know, if you look at successful rosters of the past, if players, you know, of a senior standing in the club have been out injured for a week or two, there's always somebody there, isn't there? Like, I'll do it. 
Don't worry, I'll cover it. Who's going to step up if one of those senior players, like Aaron or Dan, does get an injury? Certainly in defence, like I worry if Dan Scott gets an injury that keeps him out for a week, two or three, that's massive. Yeah, and I, I think that kind of sums up for the Raiders. Um, I'm glad they're in the league. I'm glad we're going to get to see some fantastic young players. I'm glad you're going to see Aaron Connolly continue and Dan Scott continue in their leadership roles. The, and they might shock us. They might put the. They might be the most spirited team in the league. They might come out and outskate everyone. They're young. They're fit. They're hungry. I just, I just don't see the upside enough to make me go. Yeah, this is going to be. This is a good year for them. I think it's going to be a real year of developing that core. Uh, and I, I, I just, I just hope that they stick with it. That's all I really can say. Yeah, I mean, they've lost a lot of uh, players that have moved to Chelmsford and stayed within Essex or moved down to Invicta so they could stay within the NHL One Britain Conference and keep the journeys local. And I think that has hurt them as well this year. So um, it, I, I'm, I'm going to jump your question anyway by just saying I predict a fairly tough year, I think, for the Raiders. But what I will say is they are resilient. How many times have they faced harsh battles, you know, losing their home, playing on the road in London? How many times have they faced harsh battles in the past? They've come through them. So I think, yeah, this is probably going to be a fairly tough year for the Raiders, but I predict we'll see them the year after. And I think we'll see this year as a, a year of building. And as long as they can keep working hard to get their rink, the Sapphire Arena, full and get people coming to watch them play, then I think, you know, they will have achieved what they want out of this year is to keep that Raiders name alive in the community and thriving. And then they can work on, you know, like, right, okay, where could we add a player? Where could we add, you know, a forward? Where could we we add a defenseman? So I reckon, yeah, this will be a tough year. They'll compete. They will definitely go out there and compete. They're not going to be a walkover. I can't see anybody going in there and, you know, shutting them out 10-0. I just don't see that happening. But I think it's going to be a tough year for them. They'll get some wins under the belt for sure. But I just don't think that they're going to be up in the the top echelon of the table. No, and I think that's that's the fairest way. They're going to be a competitor. They're going to compete. They're going to battle. Sometimes it just doesn't come off as hard as you compete and as hard as you battle. But I think it is fair to say we're both looking forward to this season in the South Conference as well. We've still got another five teams to go through, for goodness sake, on another day. But I think... Do you know what, though? They may come in, you know... When it gets round to like table positions for playoffs and that, it may come down to, you know, like a game between somebody and the Raiders as to who makes it or who doesn't. And that's where they could really come into their own. You know, they could potentially spoil a party later in the season. Yeah, and I hope I hope that that happens. Not to us, obviously. I hope we have a <laughs> I hope we have a great season. But uh, uh, yeah, as you say, it could easily turn into a situation where they pick up some surprise points along the way. At the end of the day, we had a game like that against Invicta last year, uh, where we got we got done in a penalty shootout after a one-one game where we could have easily won it ten-one. Connor Morris, who won't be returning to the UK this year, last minute news that he's going back to Canada and won't be playing. It was believed he was going to the whole Pirates. He's now uh, heading back to Canada. He stood on his head in one game against us, and uh, yeah, took took away the victory from us. So don't don't write it off. It could happen to other teams as well. It could really happen. But 
excitingly, we get to see it all in action this coming weekend. Let's just roll through the fixtures over the next few weeks very quickly. Saturday 7th away in Swindon. Sunday 8th, we are at home to the Wildcats in the opening preseason clash. 5.30pm face-off. Then the following weekend on Saturday the 14th, will the Raiders come in to the hive and prove Mark and I wrong and actually turn in an outstanding performance and prove themselves maybe as the best team in the league? That's a 6.15 face-off on the Saturday and then we travel to them on the Sunday in the away leg of that preseason season clash and then the league gets underway on Saturday the 21st of September when we welcome the Peterborough Phantoms we've got to go and try and make up for that defeat last year in the Southern playoffs it's a 6.15 face-off on the Saturday tickets are available 01344789000 if you haven't got them already Mark where can you find out all the latest news to do with the Bracknell Bees just to add to the tickets don't forget away fans should now look to book in block four of course Course. As the uh, the zone has moved, the school zone uh, and the group zone has moved. So if you are an away fan, don't forget to book in block four. Uh, more information on the bees on our website, bracknellbees.com. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. We are Bees Ice Hockey. And if you're on Instagram, it's the Bracknell Bees. All very good. We'll be there with the live commentary for the game on the Sunday the 8th. But until then, Mark, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks, Graham. And to everyone in the hockey world, thank you very much for tuning in. Bees Radio Network. Bracknellbees.com.